the invisible portraits by stanley j wayman this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org on a certain morning in last june i was stooping to fasten a shoelace having taken advantage for the purpose of the step of a corner house in st james's square when a man passing behind me stopped well said he aloud after a short pause during which i wondered i could not see him what he was doing the meanness of these rich folk is disgusting not a coat of paint for a twelvemonth i should be ashamed to own a house and leave it like that the man was a stranger to me and his words seemed as uncalled for as they were ill-natured but being thus challenged i looked at the house it was a great stone mansion with a balustrade atop with many windows and a long stretch of area railings and certainly it was shabby i turned from it to the critic he was shabby too a little red-nosed man wearing a bad hat it is just possible i suggested that the owner may be a poor man and unable to keep it in order ugh what has that to do with it my new friend answered contemptuously he ought to think of the public and your hat i asked with winning politeness it strikes me an unprejudiced observer as a bad hat why do you not get a new one cannot afford it he snapped out his dull eyes sparkling with rage cannot afford it but my good man you ought to think of the public you tomcat what have you to do with my hat smother you was his kindly answer and he went on his way muttering things uncomplimentary i was about to go mine and was first falling back to gain a better view of the house in question when a chuckle close to me betrayed the presence of a listener a thin grey-haired man who hidden by the pillar of the porch must have heard our discussion his hands were engaged with a white tablecloth from which he had been shaking the crumbs he had the air of an upper servant of the best class as our eyes met he spoke neatly put sir if i may take the liberty of saying so he observed with a quiet dignity it was a pleasure to witness and we are very much obliged to you the man was a snob sir i'm afraid he was i answered and a fool too and a fool sir answer a fool after his folly you did that and he was nowhere nowhere at all except in the swearing line now might i ask he continued if you are an american sir no i'm not i answered but i have spent some time in the states i could have fancied that he sighed i thought but never mind sir he began i was wrong it is curious how very much alike gentlemen that a real gentleman speak now i dare swear sir that you have a taste for pictures i was inclined to humour the old fellow's mood i like a good picture i admit i said then perhaps you would not be offended if i asked you to step inside 
and look at one or two he suggested timidly i would not take a liberty sir but there are some fundics and a rubens in the dining-room that cost a mint of money in their day i have heard and there is no one else in the house but my wife and myself it was a strange invitation strangely brought about but i saw no reason for myself why i should not accept it and i followed him into the hall it was spacious but sparely furnished the matted floor had a cold look and so had the gaunt stand which seemed to be a fixture and boasted but one umbrella one sunshade and one dog-whip as i passed a half-open door i caught a glimpse of a small room prettily furnished with dainty prints and water-colours on the walls but these were of a common order a dozen replicas of each and all might be seen in a walk through bond street even the oasis of taste and comfort told the same stories had the bare hall and dreary exterior and laid as it were a finger on one's heart i trod softly as i followed my guide along the strip of matting towards the rear of the house he opened a door at the inner end of the hall and led me into a large and lofty room built out from the back and a state dining-room or ballroom at present it rather resembled the latter for it was without furniture now said the old man turning and respectfully touching my sleeve to gain my attention now you will not consider your labour lost in coming to see that sir it is a portrait of the second lord weatherby by sir anthony van dyck and is judged to be one of the finest specimens of his style in existence i was lost in astonishment amazed almost appalled my companion stood by my side his face wearing a placid smile of satisfaction his hand pointing slightly upwards to the blank wall before us the blank wall of any picture there or elsewhere in the room there was no sign i turned to him and then from him and i felt very sick at heart the poor old fellow was must be mad i gazed blankly at the blank wall by van dyck i repeated mechanically yes sir by van dyck he replied in the most matter-of-fact tone imaginable so too is this one he moved as he spoke a few feet to his left the second peer's first wife in the costume of a lady-in-waiting this portrait and the last are in as good a state of preservation as on the day they were painted oh certainly mad and yet so graphic was his manner so crisp and realistic were his words that i rubbed my eyes and looked and looked again and almost fancied that lord walter and anne his wife grew into shape before me on the wall almost but not quite and it was with a heart full of wondering pity that i accompanied the old man in whose manner there was no trace of wildness or excitement round the walls visiting in turn the kayup which my lord bought in holland the rubens the four lawrences and the phillips a very barmecid feast of art 
i could not doubt that the old man saw the pictures but i saw only bare walls now i think you have seen them family portraits and all he concluded as we came to the doorway again stating the fact which was no fact with complacent pride they are fine pictures sir they at least are left although the house is not what it was very fine pictures i remarked i was minded to learn if he were sane on other points lord weatherby i said i should suppose that he is not in london i do not know sir one way or the other the servant answered with a new air of reserve this is not his lordship's house mrs wigram my late lord's daughter-in-law lives here but this is the weatherby's town-house i persisted i knew so much it was my late lord's house at his son's marriage it was settled upon mrs wigram and little enough besides god knows he exclaimed querulously it was mr alfred's wish that some land should be settled upon his wife but there was none out of the entail and my lord who did not like the match though he lived to be fond enough of the mistress afterwards said settle the house in town in a bitter kind of joke like so the house was settled and five hundred pounds a year mr alfred died abroad as you may know sir and my lord was not long in following him he was closing the shutters of one window after another as he spoke the room had sunk into deep gloom i could imagine now that the pictures were really where he fancied them and uh, lord weatherby the late peer i asked after a pause did he leave his daughter-in-law nothing my lord died suddenly leaving no will he replied sadly that is how it all is and the present peer who was only a second cousin well i say nothing about him a retience which was well calculated to consign his lordship to the lowest deep he did not help i asked devil a bit begging your pardon sir but there it is not my place to talk of these things i doubt i have wearied you with talk about the family it is not my way he added as if wondering at himself only something in what you said seemed to touch a chord like by this time we were outside the room standing at the inner end of the hall while he fumbled with the lock of the door short passages ending in swing doors ran out right and left from this point and through one of these a tidy middle-aged woman wearing an apron suddenly emerged at sight of me she looked greatly astonished i have been showing the gentleman the pictures said my guide who was still occupied with the door a quick flash of pain altered and hardened the woman's face i have been very much interested madam i said softly her gaze left me to dwell upon the old man with infinite affection john had no right to bring you in sir she said primly i have never known him to do such a thing before and lord a mercy there is the mistress's knock go john and let her in and this gentleman with an inquisitive look at me will not mind stepping a bit aside while her ladyship goes upstairs certainly not i answered i hastened to draw back into one of the side passages into the darkest corner of it 
and there stood leaning against the cool panels by hat in hand in the short pause which ensued before john opened the door she whispered to me you have not told him sir about the pictures yes sir he's blind you see blind i exclaimed yes sir this year and more and when the pictures were taken away by the present earl that he had known all his life and had been so proud to show to people just the same as if they had been his own why it seemed a shame to tell him i have never had the heart to do it and he thinks they are there to this day blind i had never thought of that and while i was grasping the idea now and fitting it to the facts a light footstep sounded in the hall and a woman's voice on the stairs such a voice and such a footstep that as it seemed to me a man if nothing else were left to him might find home in them alone your mistress i said presently when the sounds had died away upon the floor above has a sweet voice but has not something annoyed her well i never should have thought that you would have noticed that exclaimed the housekeeper who was i dare say many other things besides housekeeper you have a sharp ear sir that i will say yes there is something has gone wrong but to think that an american gentleman should have noticed it i'm not an american i said perhaps testily oh indeed sir i beg your pardon i'm sure it was just your way of speaking made me think it she replied and then there came a second louder rap at the door as john who had gone upstairs with his mistress came down in a leisurely fashion that is lord wetherby drat him he said on his wife calling to him in a low voice he was ignorant i think of my presence he is to be shown into the library and the mistress will see him there in five minutes and you are to go to her room oh wrap away he added turning towards the door and shaking his fist at it there is many a better man than you has waited longer at the door hush john do you not see the gentleman interposed his wife with the simplicity of habit he will show you out she added rapidly to me as soon as his lordship has gone in if you do not mind waiting another minute not at all i said drawing back into the corner as they went on their errands but though i said not at all mine was an odd position the way in which i had come into the house and my present situation in a kind of hiding would have made most men only anxious to extricate themselves but i while listening to john parleying with some one at the door conceived a strange desire or a desire which would have been strange in any other man to see this thing to the end conceived it and acted upon it the library that was the room on the right of the hall opposite to mrs wigram's sitting-room probably nay i was certain it had another door opening on the passage in which i stood it would cost me but a step or two to confirm my opinion when john ushered in the visitor by one door i had already by way of the other ensconed myself behind a screen that i seemed to know would face it i was going to listen perhaps i had my reasons 
perhaps but there what matter i as a fact listened the room was spacious but sombre wainscoted and vaulted with oak its only visible occupant was a thin dark man of middle size with narrow face and a stubborn feather of black hair rising above his forehead a man of welsh type he was standing with his back to the light a roll of papers in one hand the fingers of the other drumming upon the table betrayed that he was both out of temper and ill at ease while i was still scanning him stealthily i had never seen him before the door was opened and mrs wigram came in i sank back behind the screen i think some words passed some greeting of the most formal but though the room was still i failed to hear it and when i recovered myself he was speaking i'm here at your wish mrs wigram and your service too he was saying with an effort at gallantry which sat very ill upon him although i think it would have been better if we had left the matter to our solicitors indeed yes i fancied you were aware of my opinion i was and i perfectly understand lord weatherby your preference for that course she replied with sarcastic coldness which did not hide her dislike for him you naturally shrink from telling me your terms face to face now mrs wigram now mrs wigram is not this a tone to be deprecated he answered lifting his hands i come to you as a man of business upon business business does that mean wringing advantage from my weakness she retorted he shrugged his shoulders i do deprecate this tone he repeated i come in plain english to make you an offer one which you can accept or refuse as you please i offer you five hundred a year for this house it is immensely too large for your needs and too expensive for your income and yet you have in strictness no power to let it very well i who can release you from that restriction offer you five hundred a year for the house what can be more fair fair in plain english lord weatherby you are the only possible purchaser and you fix the price is that fair the house would let easily for twelve hundred possibly he retorted if it were in the open market but it is not no she answered rapidly and you having the forty thousand a year which had my husband lived would have been his and mine you who a poor man have stepped into his inheritance you offer me five hundred for the family house for shame my lord for shame we are not acting a play he said doggedly showing that her words had stung him in some degree the law is the law i ask for nothing but my rights and one of those i am willing to waive in your favour you have my offer and if i refuse it if i let the house you will not dare to enforce the restriction try me he rejoined again drumming with his fingers upon the table try me and you will see if my husband had lived but he did not live he broke in losing patience and that makes all the difference now for heaven's sake mrs wigram do not make a scene do you accept my offer for a moment she had seemed about to break down but her pride coming to the rescue she recovered herself with wonderful quickness i have no choice 
she said with dignity i'm glad you accept he answered so much relieved that he gave way to an absurd burst of generosity come he cried we will say guineas instead of pounds and have done with it she looked at him in wonder no lord wetherby she said i accepted your terms i preferred to keep to them you said that you would bring the necessary papers with you if you have done so i will sign them now and my servants can witness them i have the draft and the lawyer's clerk is no doubt in the house he answered i left directions for him to be here at eleven i do not think he is in the house the lady answered i should know if he were here not here he cried angrily why not i wonder but i have the skeleton lease it is very short and to save delay i will fill in the particulars names and so forth myself if you will permit me to do so it will not take me twenty minutes as you please you will find a pen and ink on the table if you will kindly ring the bell when you are ready i will come and bring the servants thank you you are very good he said smoothly adding when she had left the room and the devil take your impudence madam as for your cursed pride well it has saved me twenty-five pounds a year and so you are welcome to it i was a fool to make the offer and with that now grumbling at the absence of the lawyer's clerk and now congratulating himself on the saving of a lawyer's fee my lord sat down to his task a handsome cab on its way to east india club rattled through the square and under cover of the noise i stole out from behind the screen and stood in the middle of the room looking down at the unconscious worker if for a minute i felt strongly the desire to raise my hand and give my lordship such a surprise as he had never in his life experienced any other man might have felt the same and as it was i put it away and only looked quietly about me some rays of sunshine piercing the corner pane of a dulled window fell on and glorified the weatherby coat of arms blazoned over the wide fireplace and so created the one bright spot in the bare dismantled room which had once unless the tears of empty shelves and the yet lingering odour of russia light been lined from floor to ceiling with books my lord had taken the furniture my lord had taken the books my lord had taken nothing but his rights retreating softly to the door by which i had entered and rattling the handle i advanced afresh into the room will your lordship allow me i said after i had in vain coughed twice to gain his attention he turned hastily and looked at me with a face full of suspicion some surprise of finding another person in the room and close to him was natural but possibly also there was something in the atmosphere of that house which threw his nerves off their balance who are you he cried in a tone which matched his face you left orders my lord i explained with messrs duggan and poole that a clerk should attend here at eleven i very much regret that some delay has unavoidably been caused oh you're the clerk he replied ungraciously you do not look much like a lawyer's clerk involuntarily i glanced aside and saw in a mirror the reflection of a tall man with a thick beard and moustaches gray eyes and an ugly scar seaming the face from nose to ear 
yet i hope to give you full satisfaction my lord i murmured dropping my eyes it was understood that you needed a confidential clerk well well sir to your work he replied irritably better late than never and after all it may be preferable for you to be here and see it duly executed only you will not forget he continued hastily with a glance at the papers that i have myself copied four well three three full folios sir for which an allowance must be made but there get on with your work the handwriting will speak for itself i obeyed and wrote on steadily while the earl walked up and down the room or stood at a window upstairs sat mrs wigram schooling herself i dare swear to take this one favour that was no favour from the man who had dealt out to her such hard measure outside a casual passer through the square glanced up at the great house and seeing the bent head of the secretary in the figure of his companion moving to and fro saw as he thought nothing unusual nor had any presentiment how should he of the strange scene which the room with the dingy windows was about to witness i had been writing for perhaps five minutes when lord wetherby stopped in his passage behind me and looked over my shoulder with a jerk his eyeglasses fell touching my shoulder bless my soul he exclaimed i have seen your handwriting somewhere and lately too where could it have been probably among the family papers my lord i answered i have several times been engaged in the family business in the time of the late lord wetherby indeed there was both curiosity and suspicion in his utterance of the word you knew him yes my lord i have written for him in this very room and he has walked up and down and dictated to me as you might be doing now i explained his lordship stopped his pacing to and fro and retreated to the window on the instant but i could see that he was interested and i was not surprised when he continued with transparent carelessness a strange coincidence and may i ask what it was upon which you were engaged at that time i answered looking him full in the face it was a will my lord he started and frowned and abruptly resumed his walk up and down but i saw that he had a better conscience than i had given him the credit of possessing my shot had not struck fairly where i had looked to place it and finding this was so i turned the thing over afresh while i pursued my copying when i had finished i asked him i think he was busy at the time cursing the absence of tact in the lower orders if he would go through the instrument and he took to my seat where i stood behind him i was not far from the fireplace while he muttered to himself the legal jargon in which he was as well versed as a lawyer bred in an office i moved to it and neither missed nor suspected stood looking from his bent figure to the blazoned shield which formed part of the mantelpiece if i wavered my hesitation lasted but a few seconds then raising my voice i called sharply my lord there used to be here he turned swiftly and saw where i was what the deuce are you doing there sir he cried in boundless astonishment rising to his feet and coming towards me the pen in his hand and his face aflame with anger you forget a safe 
a concealed safe for papers i continued cutting him short in my turn i have seen the late lord weatherby place papers in it more than once the spring worked from here you touch this knob leave it alone sir cried the peer furiously he spoke too late the shield had swung gently outwards on a hinge door fashion and where it had been gaped a small open safe lined with cement the rays of sunshine that a few minutes before had picked out so brightly the gaudy quarterings now fell on a large envelope which lay apart on a shelf it was as clean as if it had been put there that morning no doubt the safe was air-tight i laid my hand upon it my lord i cried turning to look at him with ill-concealed exultation here is a paper i think a will a moment before the veins of his forehead had been swollen his face dark with the rush of blood his anger died down at sight of the packet with strange abruptness he regained his self-control and a moment saw him pale and calm all show of resentment confined to a wicked gleam in his eye a will he repeated with a certain kind of dignity though the hand he stretched out to take the envelope shook indeed then it is my place to examine it i am the heir at law and i am within my rights sir i feared that he was going to put the parcel into his pocket and dismiss me and i was considering what course i should take in that event when instead he carried the envelope to the table by the window and tore off the cover without ceremony it is not in your handwriting were his first words and he looked at me with a distrust that was almost superstitious no doubt my sudden entrance my ominous talk and my discovery seemed to him to savour of the devil no i replied unmoved i told your lordship that i had written a will at the late lord weatherby's dictation i did not say for how could i know that it was this one ah he hastily smoothed the sheets and ran his eyes over the contents when he reached the last page there was a dark scowl on his face and he stood a while staring at the signatures not now reading i think but collecting his thoughts you know the provisions of this he presently burst forth with violence dashing the back of his hands against a paper i say sir you know the provisions of this i do not my lord i answered nor did i the unjust provisions of this will he repeated passing over my negative as if it had not been uttered fifty thousand pounds to a woman who had not a penny when she married his son ay and the interest on another hundred thousand for her life why it is a prodigious income and an abnormal income for a woman and out of whose pocket is it to come out of mine every stiver of it it is monstrous i say it is how am i to keep up the title on the income left to me i should like to know i marvelled i remembered how rich he was i could not refrain from suggesting that he had still remaining all the real property and i added i understood my lord that the testator's personality was sworn under four hundred thousand pounds you talk nonsense he snarled look at the legacies five thousand here and a thousand there and hundreds like berries on a bush it is a fortune a decent fortune clean frittered away a barren title is all that will be left to me 
what was he going to do his face was gloomy his hands were twitching who are the witnesses my lord i asked in a low voice so low for under certain conditions a tone conveys much very much that he shot a stealthy glance toward the door before he answered john williams blind i replied in the same low tone william williams he is dead he was mr alfred's valet i remember reading in the newspaper that he was with his master and was killed by the indians at the same time true i remember that was the case he answered huskily and the handwriting is lord weatherby's i assented then for fully a minute we were silent while he bent over the will and i stood behind him looking down at him with thoughts in my mind which he could as little fathom as could the senseless wood upon which i leaned yet i too mistook him i thought him to be plain a scoundrel and well so he was but a mean one what is to be done he muttered at length speaking rather to himself than to me i answered softly i am a poor man my lord while inwardly i was quoting quem dios volt perdere my words startled him he answered hurriedly just so just so so shall i be when this cursed paper takes effect a very poor man a hundred and fifty thousand gone at a blow but there she shall have it she shall have every penny of it only he concluded slowly i do not see what difference one more day will make i followed his downcast eyes which moved from the will before him to the agreement for the lease of the house and i did see what difference a day would make i saw and understood and wondered he had not the courage to suppress the will but if he could gain a slight advantage by withholding it for a few hours he had the mind to do that mrs wigram a rich woman would no longer let the house she would be under no compulsion to do so and my lord would lose a cheap residence as well as his hundred and fifty thousand pounds to the latter loss he could resign himself with a sigh but he could not bear to forego the pity gain for which he had schemed i think i understand my lord i replied of course he resumed nervously you must be rewarded for making this discovery i will see that it is so you may depend upon me i will mention the case to mrs wigram and and in fact my friend you may depend upon me that will not do i said firmly if that be all i had better go to mrs wigram at once and claim my reward a day earlier he grew very red in the face at receiving this check you will not in that event get my good word he said which has no weight with the lady i answered politely but plainly how dare you speak so to me his lordship cried you are an impertinent fellow but there how much do you want a hundred pounds a hundred pounds for a mere day's delay which will do no one any harm except mrs wigram i retorted dryly come lord weatherby this lease is worth a thousand a year to you mrs wigram as you well know will not voluntarily let the house to you if you would have weatherby house you must pay me that is the long and the short of it you are an impertinent fellow he repeated so you have said before my lord i expected him to burst into a furious passion but i suppose there was something of power in my tone 
beyond the mere defiance which the words expressed for instead of doing so he eyed me with a thoughtful malevolent gaze and paused to consider you are at pool and duggerns he said slowly how was it that they did not search this cupboard with which you were acquainted i shrugged my shoulders i have not been in the house since lord weatherby died i said my employers did not consult me when the papers he left were examined you are not a member of the firm no i am not i answered i was thinking that so far as i knew those respectable gentlemen no one of them would have helped my lord in this for ten times a hundred pounds my lord foul he seemed satisfied and taking out a note-case laid on the table a little pile of notes there is your money he said counting them over with reluctant fingers be good enough to put the will and envelope back into the cupboard to-morrow you will oblige me by rediscovering it you can manage that no doubt and giving information at once to mrs duggan and poole or mrs wigram as you please now he continued when i had obeyed him will you be good enough to ask the servants to tell mrs wigram that i am waiting there was a slight noise behind us i'm here said someone i'm sure that we both jumped at the sound for though i did not look that way i knew that the voice was mrs wigram's and that she was in the room i have come to tell you lord weatherby she went on that i have an engagement from home at twelve do i understand however that you are ready if so i will call in mrs williams the papers are ready for signature the peer answered betraying some confusion and i am ready to sign i shall be glad to have the matter settled as agreed then he turned to me where i had fallen back as seemed a coming to the end of the room and said be good enough to ring the bell if mrs wigram permit it as i moved to the fireplace to do so i was conscious that the lady was regarding me with some faint surprise but when i had regained my position and looked towards her she was standing near the window gazing steadily out into the square an expression of disdain rendered by face and figure shall i confess that it was a joy to me to see her fair head so high and to read even in the outline of her girlish form a contempt which i and i only knew to be so justly based for myself i leant against the edge of the screen by the door and perhaps my hundred pounds lay heavily on my heart as for him he fidgeted with his papers although they were all in order and was visibly impatient to get his bit of knavery accomplished oh he was a worthy man and welshman perhaps he presently suggested for the sake of saying something while your servant is coming you will read the agreement mrs wigram it is very short and as you know your solicitors have already seen it in the draft she bowed and took the paper negligently she read some way down the first sheet with a smile half careless half contemptuous then i saw her stop she had turned her back to the window to obtain more light and dwell on a particular sentence i saw god i had forgotten the handwriting i saw her grey eyes grow large and fear leap into them as she grasped the paper with her other hand and stepped nearer through the peer's side who she cried who wrote this tell me do you hear tell me quickly he was nervous on his own account wrapped in his own piece of scheming and obtuse i wrote it he said with maddening complacency 
He put up his glasses and glanced at the top of the page she held out to him. I wrote it myself, and I can assure you that it is quite right, and a faithful copy. You do not think? Think, think, no, no, this I mean. Who wrote this? She cried, Ave in her face, and a suppliant tone, strange as addressed to that man, in her voice. He was confounded by her vehemence, as well as hampered by his own evil conscience. The clerk, Mrs. Wigram, the clerk he said petulantly, still in his fog of selfishness. The clerk from Mrs. Duggan and Poole's. Where is he? she cried out breathlessly. I think she did not believe him. Where is he? he repeated in querulous surprise. Why, here, of course. Where should he be, madam? He will witness my signature. Would he? Signatures. It was little of signatures I wrecked at that moment. I was praying to heaven that my folly might be forgiven me and that my lightly planned vengeance might not fall on my own head. Joy does not kill, I was saying to myself, repeating it over and over again, and clinging to it desperately. Joy does not kill. But, oh, was it true in the face of that white-lipped woman? Here, she did not say more, but gazing at me, with great dazed eyes, she raised her hand and beckoned to me and I had no choice but to obey, to go nearer to her, out into the light. "'Mrs. Vigram,' I said hoarsely, my voice sounding to me only as a whisper, "'I have news of your late, of your husband. It is good news.' "'Good news?' did she faintly echo my words, or as her face from which all colour had passed peered into mine, and searched it in infinite hope and infinite fear. Did our two minds speak without need of physical lips? Good news? Yes, I whispered. He is alive. The Indians did not. Alfred! Her cry rang through the room, and with it I caught her in my arms as she fell. Beard and long hair and scar and sunburn and strange dress, these which had deceived others, were no disguise to her, my wife. I bore her gently to the couch, and hung over her in a new paroxysm of fear. "'A doctor! Quick, a doctor!' I cried to Mrs. Williams, who was already kneeling beside her. "'Do not tell me,' I added piteously, "'that I have killed her.' "'No, no, no,' the good woman answered, the tears running down her face. "'Joy does not kill!' An hour later this fear had been lifted from me, and I was walking up and down the library alone with my thankfulness, glad to be alone, yet more glad, more thankful still, when John came in with a beaming face. "'You have come to tell me,' I cried eagerly, pleased that the tidings had come by his lips, "'to go to her, that she will see me?' "'Her ladyship is sitting up,' he replied. "'And uh, Lord Weatherby?' I asked, pausing at the door to put the question. He left the house at once? Yes, my lord. Mr. Wigram has been gone some time. End of the Invisible Portraits by Stanley J. Wayman Read by Lars Rolander